Hey, it's Nathan, and this is day 76 of the Bible in 90 Days, and we're in Luke chapters 10 through 20. Chapter 10, a chapter you really should read, is entirely unique in the Gospels, beginning first with Jesus sending out 72 disciples two by two to where he was about to go. On sending them out, he told them, in part, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. The instruction in the chapter is similar to what's found in Matthew 10 regarding the mission assignment of the twelve, though the events are different. During his instruction to them, he denounced the cities of Chorazin and Bethsaida for their rejection of light, similar to what's found in Matthew 11. The chapter notes that the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. There's a brief section on the Father here that includes these words. Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. Next is the well-known story of the Good Samaritan, which I won't repeat. It's great reading, though. The final verses in the chapter record Jesus' visit to Mary and Martha's home. While there, Mary sat and listened to Jesus, to the chagrin of her very busy sister Martha. Jesus gently rebuked Martha for her busyness. Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Chapter 11 begins with Jesus' teaching on prayer, including the Lord's Prayer, similar to teaching contained in Matthew 6 and 7, though including a parable about a persistent friend as an example of persistent prayer. I'll quote just one verse from this section. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Jesus next drove a demon out of a man that had caused the man to be mute. While many were amazed, others accused him. By Beelzebub, the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. What followed was an exchange about the power by which Jesus delivered the man, including these words. When a strong man fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are safe. But when someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armor in which the man trusted and divides up his plunder. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Jesus also warned that if an evil spirit left a person but found nowhere to rest, it would return along with seven more wicked spirits. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. 
This is also found in Matthew 12. Jesus then addressed those who asked for a sign, similar to what's found in Matthew 12 and Mark 8. Jesus then speaks of the eye as a lamp, through which one's whole body is illuminated, a teaching found also in Matthew 6. The chapter concluded or concludes with woes against the religious elite, quite similar in length and content to what's found in Matthew 23. Chapter 12 begins with Jesus warning his disciples to be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. This warning is also found in Matthew 16 and Mark 8. Jesus follows this warning up with a brief teaching on fear. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. Included in this teaching as well is this. Whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. After this, someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied with a warning against greed, and then a parable about a rich man with an abundant harvest who, instead of giving it away, built bigger barns to store up his large harvest and live in luxury. God rebuked the selfish man, and then the man died. Jesus ended the parable. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Next, Jesus taught the people not to worry, but instead, do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. Much of this teaching on worry matches what's found in Matthew 6. This is followed by Jesus' teaching, urging the disciples to be watchful, a theme that shows up in Matthew 24, though with differences. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the middle of the night or toward daybreak. In fact, Jesus says the master will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table, and will come and wait on them. Jesus' teaching also includes this warning. You also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Jesus warns his disciples as well. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted much, much more will be asked. Then Jesus informs his disciples that he has not come to bring peace but division. From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other, three against two and two against three. The last two items in the chapter, a rebuke of the people for being able to predict the weather but unable to interpret this time, and counsel to seek reconciliation with one's adversary rather than waiting for matters to be settled by the court. Chapter 13 begins with a brief conversation about two fairly recent incidents where a number of people had been killed. The moral of the stories, 
Unless you repent, you too will all perish. The dialogue finishes with a brief parable about a fig tree that won't bear fruit. Next, we find the story of a woman crippled by a spirit for 18 years, healed while Jesus taught in the synagogue. Not surprisingly, the religious leaders scold Jesus for such an act on the Sabbath. Jesus responded in part, You hypocrites! Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Next, we find the parables of the mustard seed and yeast, both also recorded in Matthew 13. As Jesus taught in the villages, he encountered a questioner. Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? To which Jesus responded, Make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. This is followed by something of a parable, ending with these words. People will come from east and west and north and south and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who are last who will be first and first who will be last. The last two pieces of the chapter are these. First, Jesus' declaration that he would not turn back in fear from Herod. Second, Jesus' deep grief over Jerusalem's refusal to repent found also in Matthew 23. Chapter 14 begins with Jesus in conversation with the religious elite over a man suffering from abnormal swelling of his body. He asked them, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? And they wouldn't answer him. Next, Jesus is found rebuking those who picked the places of honor at the table of a gathering he was attending. After giving a lesson on humility, Jesus told his listeners, All those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, but invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Then Jesus gave a parable about a great feast to which the invited guests did not come, giving a number of lousy excuses. The angered host then invited the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame, as well as those in the roads and country lanes. The parable ended, I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. This teaching bears similarity to Matthew 22, though it may not be a retelling of the same teaching moment. The last verses of the chapter find Jesus instructing the crowds about the cost of being a disciple. Those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Chapter 15, a chapter well worth reading, contains three parables, almost entirely unique to Luke. The parables of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. The parable of the lost sheep, the only of the three that's shared by another gospel, Matthew 18, is of a shepherd with 100 sheep who, losing one, goes to whatever length necessary to recover that one lost sheep and, upon finding it, throws a great celebration. The lesson, I tell you. 
that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. The second is a parable of a lost coin, ending with an almost identical lesson. I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The final parable, and the longest, is one most often referred to as the story of the prodigal son. In short, the youngest of two sons demands an early payout of his inheritance, which he promptly wastes in wild living, quickly coming to poverty. In desperation, he finally decides to return to his father, planning his return speech. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. To his utter surprise, he is welcomed home with delight by his father who throws a great celebration for the occasion. This celebration, however, angers his older brother, who's been staying at home all along. The father's words to this disgruntled brother, My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. In the case of this last parable, Jesus made no effort at application, simply allowing his listeners to draw their own conclusions. Chapter 16, another chapter well worth reading, is almost entirely devoted to two parables. The first is about an unfaithful manager who, before his final dismissal, quickly reduced the debts of several of his wealthy boss's clients. When the boss discovered the manager's shrewdness, he commended him. Jesus then counsels his listeners, Use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves, so that, when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. This is followed by Jesus' counsel that, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much, and whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. There's also a word about one's inability to serve two masters, also found in Matthew 6. There are a few additional lines of counsel that find similar or, or that have similarity to teachings in Matthew 5. The final story is about a rich man and a beggar named Lazarus. I won't give you all the details, though I'll tell you this. They both die the rich man ending up in the flames of hell and the poor man in Abraham's bosom. The rich man pleads with Abraham for relief and to send someone to warn his five living brothers. Abraham's reply, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. The purpose of the parable, a rebuke to the religious elite who would, in the end, not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Chapter 17 begins with a warning about causing others to stumble and gives counsel on forgiveness. Both teachings find similarity to counsel contained in Matthew 18. Jesus speaks briefly about having faith as small as a mustard seed, a thought found also in Matthew 17. 
We then find Jesus commenting that a servant is not rewarded for doing their job. So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. After this, there's the story of Jesus healing ten men of leprosy, though only one returns to express gratitude, and that one was a Samaritan. The rest of the chapter is devoted to teaching on the coming of the kingdom, much of it similar to latter parts of Matthew 24. However, it's worth noting one sentence. The coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Chapter 18 begins with a parable about a widow who persistently pressed her case with a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. For some time, he refused. However, he eventually gave in to the persistent woman and dealt with the matter. The lesson, will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? And yet Jesus asked, when the Son of Man comes, Will he find faith on the earth? The parable is then told about two men who went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee's prayer is bursting with arrogance, while the tax collector's prayer is simply, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. The conclusion, the tax collector went home justified before God, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Next, we read of Jesus blessing the children, a story also found in Matthew 19 and Mark 10. After this, the story of the rich young ruler who asked Jesus, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? The story is also found in Matthew 19 and Mark 10. Jesus then predicted his death a third time. Following this is a story of a blind beggar near Jericho. The story is also found in Mark 10 and is perhaps a different version of the story recorded in Matthew 20. Chapter 19, by the way, another chapter well worth reading, begins with the story of Zacchaeus, the tax collector, a story unique to Luke. Zacchaeus had become quite wealthy as a tax collector, but then came under conviction for his crooked ways and took action to make amends. This short man, desperate to see Jesus, had climbed a tree overlooking the route Jesus was following. When under the tree, Jesus invited the man down and declared, I must stay at your house today. The story ends with, Today, salvation has come to this house, because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Zacchaeus' story is followed by a parable about ten servants, each entrusted to look after a certain amount of their master's wealth. While the details differ slightly, the bulk of the story overlaps with Matthew 25, teaching the same lesson of wise stewardship. We then find the account of Jesus riding a colt into Jerusalem, told also in Matthew 21 and Mark 11. The only difference between the other two accounts is Jesus' heartbreaking prediction of Jerusalem's future. If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. 
The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. After this, Jesus entered the temple and, as recorded in Matthew 21 and Mark 11, sent out the crowd of merchants and currency exchangers. We come to chapter 20, our last chapter for today, and I'll tell you straight up, the rest, of the, the whole, I should say, of chapter 20 is found elsewhere in both Matthew and Mark. Let me just tell you where those spots are. The chapter begins with the authority of Jesus being questioned. That's found in Matthew 21 and Mark 11. It's followed by the parable of the hateful vineyard tenants, found in Matthew 21 and Mark 12. That's followed by an argument over whether or not one should pay taxes to Caesar, found in Matthew 22 and Mark 12. There's a dispute over marriage and the resurrection, found in Matthew 22 and Mark 12. Jesus then had a brief discussion about the Messiah being David's son, found in Matthew 22 and Mark 12. The final verses are Luke's brief account of Jesus' rebuke to the religious elite, featuring prominently in Matthew 23 and touched on briefly in Mark 12. And that's all for today.